Well, I have been a Christian for 60 years. It's hard to believe. But in those 60 years, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on the sermon that I'm going to preach to you this morning. 60 years of being a Christian, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on this topic. But God has led me to preach it to you today. I'm going to preach to you today about sermons. I'm going to preach today about preaching. I'm going to preach to you today about how to listen to a sermon. I'm going to preach to you today about how to preach a sermon if you get that opportunity to preach. And the verse I'm going to use, single verse, actually half of that verse, is Acts 10, verse 33. The whole verse reads, So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Let's get a context for this verse. You'll recall that the gospel and the baby church are in an expansion mode at this point in the book of Acts. Expanded from first Jerusalem, and now by this point in Acts 10, the church and the gospel have made it to Gentile country. We've also seen leading up to this verse that God had given a vision to a Gentile who was turned to Jew, a military leader named Cornelius. And in that vision, God told Cornelius to call for a certain man named Peter. And Cornelius obeyed and sent to bring the apostle Peter back to him in his home. And then Cornelius waited for Peter to come to him with a sermon from God. Cornelius, in fact, was so eager to hear that sermon from God that he called together plenty of his relatives and many of his close friends, and they all were sitting in his house waiting for the apostle Peter to show up to give the group a sermon from God. This is the context, this is the background of verse 33. So verse 33 again, Cornelius is speaking to Peter. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So you're here today, and hopefully you're here each Lord's Day, to worship the Lord and in Part and parcel of that worship is you're here today, and I hope you're here every Sunday to hear a sermon from the Lord. Not a sermon from your pastor, but a sermon from the Lord and from his word. So how should you listen to a sermon? Does God have anything to say to us in this half verse about how we ought to listen to sermons? Yes, I believe he does. The first point I would make is that we should be eager to hear sermons. It says in the text, so I sent to you immediately. He didn't wait. He didn't hem and haw. He didn't have other things that were more important. Cornelius, when told to call for a preacher, immediately called for Peter to come to him to preach. We should be eager to hear sermons. I can think of ministering in Thailand. I can think of being in the northern tribes of Thailand where they lived in houses that were on stilts. And I can remember going to one particular platform of one particular house in one particular village, and I saw people from that raised platform coming, walking to the house that we were going to have the worship service in from all directions. And some of them looked very weary, and some of them looked very uh, exhausted, actually. And so I turned to my host, and through an interpreter, I said, how far are they walking to hear a sermon today? And he said, some of them as many as 20 miles. 
in the heat to hear a sermon. They're eager to hear a sermon. Or I think of ministering in India in the Asian Christian Academy Seminary and getting to know these students that had been Hindus and were converted to Jesus Christ and they left their families, they left their livelihoods, they left their villages and they came to the seminary to get theological training to be pastors in India. And I can remember the spokesman for the class who had excellent English, he said to me that all of these students, my fellow students, have come out of Hindu families that would kill them if they knew they were here. And they all know it. And they were so eager to hear theological lectures, but also sermons from the Word of God, that they risked their lives constantly to be in attendance at a Christian seminary, although they were converted Hindus. We should be eager to hear sermons. And so I ask you humbly, each Sunday, are you eager? Are you excited about hearing a sermon from God out of his word preached by your pastor? Or do you wander in here preoccupied some Sundays and the fact is, for you, it's SOS, same old stuff. It shouldn't be SOS, same old stuff. It should be SOS, though. SOS, scripture only satisfies we should come together believing that only Scripture satisfies. And Scripture is rooted in Jesus Christ. It's Christocentric. So when we say that only Scripture satisfies, we are saying that only knowing and obeying Jesus Christ after you hear a sermon from the Word of God is what's going to satisfy you. Now, I've had great privilege in my life to preach to four local congregations In three countries, over the last 35 years, I've had that privilege of being a pastor. And while preaching, let me tell you something. Every Sunday, I see yes faces, and every Sunday, I see no faces. I see yes faces here this morning, and I see no faces here this morning. You know, while preaching, sometimes the no faces, I don't see them anymore because they fall asleep. I just see the top of their heads. But they were no faces before they fell asleep. One time, in one of my Canadian churches, there was a sound sleeper. He slept most every Sunday, as a matter of fact. He slept this particular Sunday, and he awakened, his wife awakened him after the benediction, and I was in the back, and he came up to me and he said, Pastor, that was a great sermon. (laughs) I said, either you're a liar or you've got a gift that I don't have. So in the first place, we should be eager to hear sermons. But there's a second thing in this same half verse. We should be in awe. We should be in awe as we hear a sermon. Certainly not in awe of me. Certainly not in awe of any preacher, but when we hear a sermon, we should be in awe of God. It says in the verse, Cornelius says, we are all present before God. (laughs) He said, everybody I know in my family's here to hear the sermon. Everybody who's my close friend is present to hear the sermon. We're all here. 
(laughs) to hear the sermon. And so they were there because they were in awe of God sending a human vessel to preach a sermon from an eternal word or scripture. And so we have to understand there's good reason to be in awe of God and the exercise of a human being preaching a sermon. Maybe this quote from Matthew Simpson from his book, Lectures on Preaching, might assist you in understanding the gravity, the seriousness, the stakes of every time a sermon is preached that you hear. Quote, speaking of the preacher, his throne is pulpit. He stands in Christ's stead. His message is the word of God. Around him are immortal souls. The Savior, unseen, is beside him. The Holy Spirit broods over the congregation. Angels gaze upon the scene, and heaven and hell await the issue. End of quote. That's why I should be in awe when I'm preaching, and you all should be in awe whenever you hear a sermon preached. The preacher's throne is pulpit. He stands in Christ's stead. His message is the word of God. Around him are immortal souls. The Savior unseen is beside him. The Holy Spirit broods over the congregation. Angels gaze upon the scene, and heaven and hell await the issue. And so again, our verse, Acts 10.33b, our half verse. Now, therefore, we are all here, Cornelius said, present before God, in awe of God, I'll add, to hear all the things commanded you by God. And so, so far, to recap what we've been learning from Acts 10, 33b, we have seen two responsibilities that each of us have whenever we listen to a sermon. Ready? Responsibility one, to review, be eager to hear the sermon. And responsibility two, be in awe of God as you hear the sermon. There's a third responsibility when it comes to hearing sermons in this half verse. We should get others to hear sermons too. It says, Cornelius said, we are all present. How did they all get to be present? He invited them. He told them what was happening. They were all present because they all had been invited and they heeded the invitation. When was the last time you invited someone to this church to hear a sermon. It says in verses 24 to 27 that precede our key verse for today that Cornelius gathered many persons to hear whatever sermon Peter was going to preach. I love it. Cornelius put together a little crowd to hear a sermon. It wasn't to eat. It wasn't to drink. It wasn't to play bingo. It wasn't to go on a short-term mission trip. He called a group of people together in his house to hear a sermon. And they were his family. And they were his close friends. And I love that. One of the good reasons that we should get others to hear sermons is that sermons that are prayed over Sermons that are true to the scriptures, sermons 
cause needful and positive change in those who truly hear and apply them. Can I say that again? You should invite more people to hear sermons because sermons cause needful and positive change in those who truly hear and apply them. Biblical, Holy Spirit-empowered sermons are like a pebble in your shoe. You surely notice them, and they definitely cause you to do something. The old-time country preacher Vance Havner had it right. He said, sermons comfort the afflicted, and they afflict the comfortable. So far, we've seen three responsibilities when it comes to hearing sermons. One, we should be eager to hear sermons. Two, we should be in awe of God as we hear sermons. And three, we should get others to hear sermons as well. And then in Acts 10.33b, there's one more responsibility for us as it pertains to listening to sermons. And it's this. We should be open as we hear sermons. We should be open as we hear sermons. So I sent to you, Cornelius said to Peter, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things commanded you by God. We're opened, Cornelius says. We want to hear what you've been commanded by God to preach. You know, there are some places that have very restricted entrance requirements. Police cars, hospital operating rooms, restaurant kitchens, airport runways. Yeah, there are places that properly have very restricted entry requirements, but there's one place, there's one place that must not ever have a very restricted entrance requirement. Your heart, when you're listening to a sermon. When you are listening to a sermon, you must leave your heart wide open to the Holy Spirit convicting you and calling you and changing you. The Holy Spirit should always find your heart's door wide open to him when you're listening to a sermon. And every other time the Bible is taught for that matter. No pin number, no lock, no security, cages on the door of your heart, no password, no clothes come back later sign on your heart, no security guard on a stool. Your heart and my heart must be open every time the word of God is preached. One Sunday in a Canadian church, which I pastored, a husband and a wife came by to shake my hand on their way out after the benediction. And the man said, thanks, pastor. That sermon will do my wife a lot of good. Now, he was joking, but I'm afraid he speaks for plenty of people that are not joking. Plenty of people sit and hear a sermon, and they deflect its truth away from their hearts onto somebody else. Oh, that's good for her. 
Oh, I hope he heard that one. We ought not to do that. Now, here are some ways that you might open your heart wide to a sermon. Number one, get a good night's sleep the night before. Number two, listen to praise and worship music at home and in your vehicle on your way to church. Number three, make it your goal every Sunday to summarize the sermon you hear so a six-year-old child could understand it. Dr. Charles Ryrie had a double-earned PhD. He was the head of systematic theology at Dallas Theological Seminary for many years. And the practice at that time in the seminary was that Mondays were a day of break from classes for the profs and also for the students. So on Tuesdays, the week began. That was the rhythm of life on the seminary campus when Dr. Ryrie taught. So one Tuesday morning, he came into the lecture theater to teach theology to the students, the graduate-level students. And he asked them, how was your weekend? And people said, oh, it was good. I did this or I did that. And then one student said to Dr. Ryrie, he said, Dr. Ryrie, how was your weekend? And Dr. Ryrie, the head of systematic theology at Dallas Seminary, said it was great. On Saturday, I went down to the projects and taught underprivileged children theology. Somebody said, excuse me, Dr. Ryrie, why would you do that? He said, I do that every Saturday. Why would you do that, Dr. Ryrie? He says, because if I can teach children theology, then I have a shot at teaching you theology. Could you make it your ambition that after you hear a sermon on a Sunday, that by Wednesday, you would know how to explain that to a child and phone them up? and explain the sermon to a child. That'll help you to have an open heart as you hear the sermon. Or come early to the sanctuary and sit in your seat and pray that the Holy Spirit would help you receive the sermon that morning. When I am preaching or you hear another preacher preaching, take notes on your devices with a pen and paper, take notes. Helps you listen better. Or by Friday, by Friday of the week after you've heard the sermon, could you make it your practice, your habit, to tell some other adult what the sermon was about and how it changed your life? So by Wednesday, tell a child. By Friday, tell an adult. That would be a good discipline to get into that will help you keep your heart open when the word of God is preached. Someone has said that persons who are in awe of God are never bored listening to a sermon. So four things about listening to a sermon. Number one, be eager to hear sermons. Number two, be in awe as you hear a sermon. Number three, get others to hear sermons. And number four, be open as you hear a sermon. I want to close this message with something from the same half verse, which is for me as a preacher and all for all preachers wherever and whoever you may be. Again, the verse 
Cornelius to Peter, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present to hear all the things been commanded you by God. When preaching honors the Lord, it is obeying something that God has commanded the preacher to preach. God-honoring sermons aren't cooked up by me or any other preacher because we're clever. God-honoring sermons are from the text, God the Holy Spirit commanding the preacher to teach or preach on that topic, what God said about it in his word. And so you might look at it this way, that when I am studying for a sermon, God makes the motion in the by the text, the the scripture, and I second the motion in my study, and then I call you, I call you to the question, will you vote yes or no for the motion? Or another metaphor, God cooks the meal. My role as a preacher is the waiter to take the meal from the kitchen to the diners at the table, just not dropping the meal or getting it there cold. And then those who hear the sermon are the diners who eat the meal from the kitchen. God-honoring preaching is an obedient response to a command of God to the preacher. Good and faithful preachers work hard studying and writing and rewriting and praying over their weekly sermons. You know, if it's done right, this may surprise you. If it's done right, every week, sermon research and writing can be between 60 to 30 to 60 minutes of work through the week for every one minute preached in the pulpit. Preachers may spend 30 to 60 minutes in their behind-the-scenes work to write a sermon for every minute they speak that sermon to a congregation. That would mean for a 30-minute sermon, the preacher may research, write, pray, between 15 to 30 hours, Monday to Saturday. It's like an iceberg. There's so much more that's unseen with an iceberg under the water that's seen in the iceberg above the water. And so if these time ratios mentioned are accurate, then they imply that for an average 30-minute sermon, only between 1.5 and 3% of the Monday to Saturday preparation is seen and heard in the pulpit. And between 97% and 98.5% of the Monday to Saturday prep time is not seen or heard as the sermon is delivered. Now the preacher who is willing to live and to work with those time ratios is humble and faithful. He's all about pleasing his Lord and not necessarily pleasing his congregation. And please know this. In those 15 to 30 hours of weekly sermon preparation and prayer, the conscientious preacher is figuring out exactly what God commands him to preach the next Sunday. My Canadian friend, Len McKenzie, told me good preaching is like a hen scratching out food from the ground. Then the chicks can come by and find food and eat. 
A lot of preachers scratch a lot of ground before you get the food to eat on Sunday. Perhaps in a small way. Now, ladies, don't, don't, don't get mad at me. Perhaps in a very small way, delivering a sermon is like delivering a baby. They taught the wives at Dallas Seminary, please don't criticize your husband's sermon on the drive back from the Sunday worship service. That's like saying, don't criticize a newborn baby to his or her mother in the hospital delivery room. Now, here's another more serious and painful situation. Sometime after the baby is born, as a mother, how would you feel if no one bothered to come to meet your new baby? Or if worse, they came to visit but were bored with your baby and paid no attention to him or her at all? Steve Lawson says it's a matter It matters to God what is preached, and it matters to him how it is preached. No man is free to preach whatever and however he so chooses, end of quote. Proper preaching doesn't make the preacher popular. The founder of Apple Computers, Steve Jobs, no Christians for sure, has said this leadership principle. If you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that faithful preachers aren't ice cream sellers. And proper preaching isn't for person-pleasing yes-men who are timid and insecure and easily frightened. In fact, preachers who are fearful are about, about being disliked or rejected are like sailboats on a windless day. They're going nowhere, and those on board with them are stuck in place. On the other hand, sold-out-to-God preachers are like shuttle trains at the airport terminal. They call you to swiftly hop on board or get out of the way for those who will swiftly hop on board. John Wesley knew the power of reverent and bold preachers. He said, and I quote, Give me a hundred preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Such alone will shake the gates of hell. End of quote. Proper preaching doesn't tickle ears, it turns hearts to God. And therefore, proper preaching is preached by a faithful preacher, a hardworking preacher, a courageous preacher, and an obedient preacher. Proper preaching is preached by a following orders from God preacher. Now, when a church has such a preacher... It must love him, pray for him, encourage him, hear and heed him as he preaches biblical truth, call him to obediently and fearlessly preach, respect him, copy him as he copies Christ, stand under him as he stands under Christ, obey him as he obeys Christ. Hear and heed him as he preaches biblical truth. Now, I'm here to say what I say publicly, I want to say in this sanctuary. Beth and, Beth and my lines have fallen to us in very pleasant places. You are a wonderful congregation. 
And so much of what I went down the list, just this last list, that is what you do. That is who you are as a congregation. And we can't thank you enough for being so supportive and so much with an appetite for Scripture. The Eliot's lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. And yes, we have a good inheritance. And so what a half verse. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. A little half verse that packs a punch both for listening to sermons and packs a punch for preaching them. God help us all. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful window into Cornelius' heart. We praise and thank you for the Apostle Peter uh, preaching the salvation message which Cornelius and his household needed. Lord, I thank you for the grace you give, have given me to preach for over 35 years, a great privilege and a great responsibility. I thank you for this particular congregation who comes so often ready to hear the sermon and to put it into practice. May this teaching on how to listen to a sermon encourage those that are doing it right, and may it be a call to others who would want to do it right. And we, may you be honored and glorified in it all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.